Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new dialogue. I am your host, Barbara Joseph. And I am just so thankful you all were able to join me on this journey for February, the Black History Month. And the special was Black Immigrants, Black Stories, the Immigrant Experience. And it continues, even though we're in March. I wanted to continue this conversation because we were recorded and then something happened and so we had to re-record and i was just like you guys need to be blessed by this conversation so we're just going to keep moving and sarani lindor is such a sweet lady and i hope you glean so much from her because i did and so here she is thank you hello 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 welcome to a new dialogue i'm your host barbara joseph today i have a special guest her name is sarani lindor how are you this morning Hi, I'm quite well. And yourself? I'm doing much better. (laughs) (laughs) The recording sounds so much better. I want to let everyone know that this, we had a discussion before we had this recorded, recorded. And for some reason, it did not take, it kept saying processing. So I'm so grateful that you are willing to um, re-record this with me because I really do think your story is very unique. Thank Um, you. Sarani Lendor originally from the Caribbean island of Trinidad and Tobago, situated just north of Venezuela. At the age of 14, Sarani immigrated to the United States in 1996 to Brooklyn, New York. Sarani has been living in the USA for 24 years now, and Sarani has a Master of Science degree in clinical science and works as a clinical scientist in the pharma industry, conducting and managing clinical trials for oncology, oncology therapy. I know you explained to me how you ended up in the field as a scientist. Can you share that with us again? Because I really found that interesting because I know you had your own goals and your own dreams and your parents had a different um, desire for you. But I would love for you to share with us. How did you end up being a black scientist in the pharma industry? So my family really wanted me to go into nursing. I Want to do something a little bit different because I kind of like to do things my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but how I ended up in clinical science, um, I like medicine mm-hmm. and I like helping people. And clinical science allowed me to do the two of them. I was a chemistry major. I was always in research. I did a lot of research during undergrad. had some internships um, in hospitals where I work along um, scientists in the clinical field, mm-hmm. putting together um, clinical research and so my interest was piqued by that experience mm. um, so I kind of made a tr- transition from wanting to go into medical school because I have taken all the pre-medical courses and t- taken the MCAT and I was getting ready to go to medical school but during those internships I actually got to do some rotations mm-hmm. working with patients and I realized that having that much direct contact with patients probably probably wasn't for me because mm-hmm. I used to find myself just running off and going to the bathroom and crying because mm-hmm. some of these patients were just so sick mm. you know and I was like I don't think I can see myself doing this for a very long time but I still wanted to remain in the field of medicine and that's how I decided you know let me give clinical science a try and it worked out pretty well so that's how I ended up in the field 
I think it's pretty impressive because until you told me about a clinical sciences, I never considered it. I never really, um, you know, had more, much knowledge of it. And I know we talked about how you would go to different, throughout the country, you go through different um, companies or something and you would, um, you, you would start mm-hmm. different research sites, um, research sites, either hospitals, um, universities, medical school, wherever they conduct clinical trials. So there are different types of clinical scientists. Mm-hmm. There are those who work in a lab, mm-hmm. actually coming up with formulations for drugs. Mm-hmm. And then I used to work in a lab. Working in a lab is not for me. It is very, very slow paced. Um, so that's not for me. I like to kind of move around and be in a different place. Mm-hmm. So that's where a clinical scientist like me traveling to different research sites and conducting the clinical trials, training the doctors, how to conduct the clinical trials. Um, that's my job. Um, and it's, it's really fun because I get to meet a lot of people along the way and make new connections. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I spaced out. What was I speaking of again? I'm clinical so trials. Yes, clinical trials. So... Uh, we go over, uh, I'm sorry, we are working on new oncology therapies. Mm-hmm. So, um, and my specialty is in breast cancer and lung cancer. And so I travel to different sites. We look for suitable patients that we need to um, recruit for the clinical trials. Mm-hmm. So my job actually is to train the doctors and how to select the best patients to be on the trial well yeah um and it's a little bit daunting because i'm only 38 years old and a lot of these doctors they're very experienced right Mm -hmm. um and sometimes i feel as though they don't take me seriously you know here is this 38 year old person training them on how to do something Mm -hmm. so that was like a something that i was concerned about when i started um, in this field, but they're really nice. Mm-hmm. So that worked out. I can imagine. I mean, for people to be like, who do you think you are? Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, sometimes the, your age allows people to um, allows people to th- make judgment about you, you know, And um, it's very interesting. So how has your experience been mentally, emotionally since you immigrated to the USA? I had a difficult time. Um, I was quite depressed because I was away from my parents. My parents stayed back in Trinidad um, and my brothers. So I came to the country by myself and moved in with my aunt and my uncle um not having someone to talk to about what I was going through this huge transition at such a young age made it very difficult for me so I I kind of became like this depressed person Mm -hmm. um and I was always sad and I just didn't know how to cope at first um I would constantly call my dad I feel like my dad was that one rock that I can lean on to kind of help me through that transition I'm a daddy's girl Mm -hmm. you know and I really really missed him 
So I always used to talk on the phone with him. Um, we just random daddy daughter talks. Uh, my dad, he's a staunch Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, he would pray with me sometimes to help me through it. And then part of it is just kind of looking within myself to find that source of strength to kind of overcome the challenges that an immigrant would face moving into a new country mm-hmm. and trying to assimilate into this new culture. Um, so just looking within and giving myself pep talks and just tell me I came here for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And I want to make my parents proud. Mm-hmm. So that kind of allowed me to come out of my depression and just forge right through it. That's, and, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that's, that's really interesting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. And then I had like other little things. Um, I didn't mention this the last time, but Judge Judy actually, she helped me a lot. Judge Judy, she's like, I always say she's the Jewish version of my mother. Very similar um, in attitude and feistiness. So I discovered Judge Judy in 96 when her court show came out. So I always used to look at her shows and and it just gave me some sense of peace because I think when I'm hearing Judge Judy talking, I'm hearing like my mom talking. Mm. So that too helped me a bit. I know that's kind of strange, no. but it, it it really did help me. Um, so overall, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, that's good because I love Judge Judy myself. <laughs> yes, I absolutely adore her. <laughs> But um, yeah, overall, it was in the beginning, it was um, a difficult transition for me. Um, like I said, I was depressed and sad. But luckily, I had like, my dad to just help me through it. And me being resilient and just looking within my own self really kind of turned things around for the good for me. That's really good. Um, because I know you, we talked about, you know, when you came, you went went straight to high school yes and you know a freshman in high school what school did you go to again I went to Canasi high school Canassi high school yes. yes in Brooklyn and one of the things I, I grew up realizing people from Brooklyn they're not as soft as Queens people I mean like each borough has their own that personality you know mm-hmm. like in Brooklyn mm-hmm. it's just like they don't play so how was that experience they don't (laughs) they don't play to have a lot of attitude that was something I I couldn't quite understand um I in in school going to school in Trinidad we're very disciplined right like the teachers there do not take any kind of attitude they're like no nonsense kind of people Mm -hmm. and then to to come from that and to go into Kanasi High School, where it's the complete opposite, is like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know. Um, so, I, I feel because of that, students looked at looked at me as this little timid, docile person, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of a pushover. Mm-hmm. But I was I wasn't bullied too much in high school. They just used to make fun of my accent and the way how I would say certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe my style of dressing, like I wore a lot of hand-me-downs when I came to the country. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the students, they they very feisty and have a lot of attitude. I remember my first day of um, high school, I 
saw a fully pregnant young woman mm. fighting, like fist fighting. Fighting fist. I was so shocked because I've never seen anything like that. It's like she's pregnant and she's fighting, you know. So um that was, you know, something different for me. And I remember just coming home and and calling my dad and telling him about it. We don't see this in Trinidad. And on my first day in high school here in America, I get to see this. Mm. You know, so it's definitely a different experience. I mean, I I don't see that either. But just try to imagine (laughs) someone, you know, pregnant and fighting. But, you know, that's that's Brooklyn. They're rough out there, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, that's Brooklyn for you. Now, (laughs) get a little softer. But that back in the day, you no, no. Did you miss yeah. Trinidad even more? Could you? I mean, when you came, did did you feel even more homesick seeing stuff like that? Yes, I did. I'm not really into a whole. Oh, I'm very, I'm a very quiet person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like drama at all. I tend to stay away from those things. And um, going to school in Trinidad, all I have to do is just go to school, play with my friends, be picked up by my dad, and go back home. Um, it's complete opposite when I moved here going to high school so yeah it did make me um, miss my friends and just miss school you know a lot mm. I mean uh, could you see yourself moving back to Trinidad yeah definitely um, I just miss the warm the warmth of Trinidad mm-hmm. like right now it's really cold here and very snowy so times like this, I, I yeah, I definitely miss home and wish I was back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal is to once I reach retirement age, is to go back there and live. But sometimes I wonder, I might do that before retirement. Who knows? But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely like to move back. That's good. You know, that's one uh, country I have not visited yet. I went to Jamaica, and I, my goal is to go to each island. Um, mm. But growing up in Queens, I feel like I I, I met enough Trinidadians to say <laughs> to say okay, I, I'm familiar with the culture. And you know, even when the Christmas time, um, what is it called, paranging or something like that? Parang, parang. Yes. <laughs> like I used to listen to this one guy, and he is famous guy. He had I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name, but he had his old whole Christmas album. It's a Lee or something. It's a very catchy name, but I can't think of it. But I really learned so much about um, the culture of Trinidad as far as how mm-hmm. warm and friendly and they talk in a sing-songy way. It's a loving way. Yeah. For a, um, it's a loving way that they communicate with each other. One of the things I noticed when I was working at this place, and it was it was like three Trinidadians, and they just embrace each other. You know, it was like, oh, you're mm-hmm. Trinidadian? Oh, okay, I'm Trinidadian. And then they start talking in an accent. And they're like, well, you were talking proper English. I mean, I mean, normal English. Now you got an accent to it. And I just realized that Trinidadians seems to embrace each other a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah than I see other cultures. So what differences culturally have you noticed between the U.S. and the Trinidadian um, community? So like you just mentioned, we're very warm, friendly people, right? Very inclusive. Mm -hmm. We like to always be in groups and kind of just hang on with each other, cook, laugh, tell jokes. That's just how we are as people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I moved here to the U.S., um, even with my family that lives here in America, we don't have that togetherness and mm. anymore. 
because everyone is just so busy and just get caught up in their own lives Mm -hmm. that they just can't seem to find the time to come together and just enjoy each other's presence Mm. and have fun so I really miss that about you know with me moving here to America I really miss having that especially around Christmas time like I said that's our best time in Trinidad right we make our ham we make homemade bread we listen to, to parang you know people will come over um over their homes and they sing it's just so much fun mm-hmm. but over here in america we, we don't have that at least within my own family it's no longer there because people either working on christmas it's too cold for people to come out of their house to go by another person's house um yeah so that's like the one thing i miss I just remember his name, Byron Lee. Oh, Byron Lee. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very common name. I mean, I used to hear him every, every uh, Christmas. Uh, he just, and he makes you want to feel good, you know? And it just reminds yeah. me of the Trinidadian community. And it's just yeah. like, man, you guys seem so happy. Like, can I join? And yeah, come, you know? <laughs> And, and that's how we are in Trinidad, right? You can just show up. You can be brand spanking. You just show up in Trinidad. And then somebody is going to take you under their wings and just kind of show you around. Take you to most likely will take you to a party and be drinking alcohol. Because that's what we do. I don't drink, but that's, you know, part of the culture. They love drinking the, the rum. Um, and yeah, just having a good old fun time, you know. But but Byron Lee, I would say about Byron Lee, while he is popular, mm-hmm. he's not like, the famous parent singer in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. We have someone by the name of Daisy Bozier. She passed away. Okay. She was like, the parent queen, you know. So, oh, why is it called parent? Why is that called parent? What what is what is the what is the difference between that and soca? Why is it parent? Um. That I am not sure because I really am not a fan of soca music or parang music. Really, I just listen to it because it's just part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but parang actually, I think it does have some kind of um, Spaniard roots, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be—I'm not the right person to explain that because I—I I really don't know mm-hmm. how that came into our culture. It's just big in our culture. That's all I know. And when I used to go to Catholic school. Um, around Christmas time, you always have to put together a show, and we always have to learn a parang to sing. It's like it, it was something I grew up with. I, the culture, like the history of mm-hmm. it, I should say, I was that didn't wasn't taught to me, so I never really took it upon myself to find out, you know, how this came apart about culture. I just know it that it is. And I embrace it nonetheless. Speaking of that, how do you maintain your traditional roots and living in Brooklyn? I mean, there are a lot of uh, Caribbean people, especially in Brooklyn, like Fulton and stuff like that. But how do you personally try to maintain your own culture in America? It's difficult for me because outside of my family, I'm not really surrounded by a lot of Trinidadians. We're all spread out. And with me, with my job, always traveling, I don't get to meet a lot of Trinidadians, mm. right? Um, so it's just whether I'm looking for a Caribbean restaurant, I, I talk to my cousin back home to find out what's going on, mm-hmm. to see what's new. 
in our culture, that's how I try to keep up with my culture. Um, it's not the best, though. <laughs> so would you say yeah. you're more Americanized? Because I feel like I'm more Americanized. I, yeah, I would say I am more Americanized. Yes. Mm. I, I mean, you know what? I think I, being coming to this country at such a young age, it forces you to become Americanized, you know, like for you, you came at 14, I came at seven and it's like, there's no, there's, who are your peers? You know, kids who are Americanized, mm-hmm. like if, if it was like a boatload of you coming all together, it would be different. And I right. know from our conversation, you actually came here without your family. So you came to be with your aunt and uncle. And what was that like? Um, it was nice because like I grew up with my aunt and my uncle when they lived in Trinidad. I spent a good part of my life with them. Mm-hmm. My parents, you know, they were working parents, and I used to stay with my aunt and uncle. They used to babysit me. They didn't have any children, so I became like their adopted child. Um, so I was comfortable like my second parents. You know, when they left Trinidad, I remember I was just bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. You know, because I really enjoyed spending my time with them. They always used to take me to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really loved that. So when they sat me down and told me the news that they'll be moving away to another country, I was really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they came here in 1990. And um, when I found out that I'll be moving to America to live with them in 96, I was happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I get to be with them again. That's really good. But how how has it been with, you know, it's almost like you have two parents. How yeah. How has that been? You know, you have a family, you have parents in Trinidad, then you have a parent in um in America. And I know some people, you know, when you live with your family, it's not the same. You know, when you're with your mother and your father, it's not the same. Um, versus when you are um with your aunt and uncle. Did you see any difference in that? Oh, but I was just about to say, then I probably am different because there wasn't a difference. That's so good. Yeah. Um, my aunt and uncle, they really looked after me like their own, mm-hmm. you know, so it wasn't a difference at all. Well, that's good. Because I know, um, it, I'm sure like just being here and your mom and dad in another country because we talked about it it's almost the opposite you know mom and dad is abroad Mm -hmm. and the child is left behind um yeah and I know I remember you said you know your dad doesn't like the cold (laughs) yes my both my parents they do not like the cold at all as I always say anything below 70 degrees is too cold for them Mm -hmm. um I remember my dad he came here it was Towards the end of summer, we kind of transitioning from summer to fall. Um, so the temperature wasn't really cold. I remember when he had to sleep, we had to give him a bubble jacket, um, two comforters, endless pairs of socks. Like he just couldn't, he just couldn't deal with it. Well, yeah, so I'm sorry. What about your brother? Has he ever, you have an older brother, correct? Yeah. Yes, yes. He only visited here. My brother also don't like America. <laughs> They just is the cold weather. Cold weather. Yeah, in the summertime, fine. But um, outside of that, they're not gonna come out of come to America. 
Well, I know you you're considering moving to you actually purchased a house in Georgia and it's a little yes. bit warmer. Yes. Do you do you see them coming um, you know, to stay longer? I don't think so. I already asked my dad and he was he gave my resound and no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, maybe I might be able to change his mind because yeah Georgia is uh, you know a lot of people from New York they flock down to Georgia it's not too cold I mean today it's 27 yeah. degrees so <laughs> wow but it warms up you know start off very cold in the morning and it warms up by the evening you know, I mean even if it's like 40 degrees it's not bone chill cold um, yeah. and so and speaking of that what do you look forward to living in Georgia like what do you what do you expect to leave, get from Georgia that, um, you know, ex- as far as culture wise, like, do you think there's a larger community of Trinidadians here or uh, New York? Um, I think in New York, there's a larger community of Trinidadians mm-hmm. here. Um, when I decided to move to Georgia, that I didn't think that it will have um, a big a big Caribbean culture in in, in sorry in Georgia, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to know the American Black experience, and I feel that I will get that down in Georgia. Mm. Yes, definitely. And yeah, so that was one of the reasons why I decided to move down there. Although I haven't moved as yet, but eventually I will get down there. I just bought a property there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest reason for me going there and two just the warmer weather i'm really tired of new york winters yeah. it's getting brutal more brutal every year uh, i understand and now <laughs> that snowstorm you guys got last week i was like oh. yeah it was back to back it's it's not fun yeah it's been raining here but i said you know what i'd rather take the rain than the snow because it's it's it snowed mm-hmm. in Texas too, and people are like, "We have, we don't have power." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. And so Georgia, I'm I'm grateful to be here because I don't care for the weather as well. Um, <laughs> and so I'm just like, you know what? Whatever I got to do is what I'll do. And so do yeah. do you find it more challenging to live in the U.S. or Trinidad? Um, and I know because you lived here most of your life, it sounds like. You prefer America, but I would like for you to affirm that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, living in, if I had to compare it to, yes, it was easier for me living in Trinidad because I was a child. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of responsibilities, right? Yeah. Just get up, get ready, go to school. Dad would take me to school. Dad would pick me up from school. That was just mm-hmm. it. Um, and then if I have track practice, I used to be in a track club in Trinidad, track and field. Mm-hmm. Um, and just go to track practice and that's all um, but here in America um, it's a lot more different mm-hmm. I definitely do have more responsibilities yeah. um, started working at an early age mm-hmm. you know we, you don't see a lot of um, children teenagers in Trinidad working um, but in America yeah. if I'm 16 mm-hmm. um, you start working you know um, so to, it's definitely more difficult I find um, especially in the winter times when you have to wake up early in the morning very very cold weather to get ready to go to school or go to work Mm -hmm. that's very hard for someone coming from a warm country and they have to go out there and you know 
very low temperatures to go somewhere. It just makes you want to stay in bed and not do anything. Yeah. But we don't have that option. You have to. You have to do it. No, I, I'm the same way. I I don't. I don't know what I would compare America to because it's just a unique place. You know, I, I talked to um, my brother, I interviewed him and, and he just kept saying it's the land of opportunity. It's the land of opportunity. And I'm just like, yeah. and I see that more and more every day to see, um, to see what people can make out of themselves once they come to America. And it sounds like you really have made a great, um, oper- use of the opportunities and so yes and I'm grateful for everyone who helped me along the way I can't take all the credit for myself mm-hmm. um, I've encountered some really nice people along the way um, in high school my biology teacher he was very instrumental in me kind of getting assimilated into the high school culture mm-hmm. he was very cultured um, so he knew a little bit about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so he should just kind of give me advice and how to deal with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of him, that's how I got into science. Okay. Right? My love for science was because of him. Um, until today, he's retired a long time. Well, he passed away, actually. Mm-hmm. But till today, I still keep in contact with his wife. Um, and they're very lovely people. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and so I forgot what I was no, saying again. I just keep going off tangent. No, you actually said something. you you gave credit to your biology teacher, and he's the one who introduced you. Yes, my you. biology. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Ginsburg. Yeah, so I've met some really good people along the way that kind of made things a little easier for me. That's really good because uh, you know your your story, just like everyone else, can go left or right good bad up down and it sounds like you you were placed in america for the opportunities that america represents you know um which is opportunities and i started saying if you live in america you need to be an opportunist because you, yeah. you, you need to be an opportunist because the doors are open and even though they have racism and they have um gender um pay issues but the doors are open and yes. um, and I just love hearing people's success stories to where they took advantage of every opportunity that America has to offer because um, you, your story is empowering other people. If someone, uh, if you knew someone who was in Trinidad and they're like, you know, Sarni, I really want to come to America. I really want to do X, Y, Z. What advice would you share with them? Mm-hmm. The Definitely need to know a little bit about the American culture because having that at the forefront of your mind when you actually get into America, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be so shocked by things. That culture shock wouldn't be just so bad for you. It wouldn't be so blatant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is one thing. And that was something I wish I knew before coming here. Mm-hmm. I would say this generation to have access to computers so they can always just jump on the internet and kind of educate themselves about the culture that they're moving into I didn't have that benefit I was just kind of thrust into it and figure it out as I go along Mm -hmm. you know so that would be the first advice 
I'll give myself to educate yourself about the culture before actually moving to America. And then maybe now, but during my times, I didn't have it, but used to have like these little groups that can offer resources to people moving to the country. Mm-hmm. Um, that to make things a little bit easier, you know, having someone from your background who's been through it and it can kind of guide you mm. through it. Now they have that. It didn't have that in my times. So I will also advise them to seek out such group to help them. Mm. You know, I, I wish I had that. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. So what is next for you? Where is America leading you? What are, what are your future goals um, you've seen, you've already accomplished a lot. What would, what else would you like to do? Career wise, I have accomplished a lot and I think I'm, I'm set. Like I have reached, I have set my goals in my career and I have reached them. And I'm grateful for that. In terms of career, I don't know where it will take me. Maybe um, opening up clinical sites, research to whether it's rather research in cancer or some other medical field that I'm not sure of. I would like to go that direction, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But personally, um, I know talking to you, you kind of inspired me to write a book about the challenges that I have faced and how I've overcome them. Mm-hmm. I think I might be moving towards that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, I have faced a lot moving since living in this country mm-hmm. whether it's um personally and um, with my health that was another thing mm-hmm. um that made things a bit challenging for me in america um so maybe i might write a book about that as well i think i think you should that, yeah i think that's the direction i'm going to going towards i think you should and so um what what I mean, what are your personal goals? I know you said career and you're writing a book. What are your personal goals? Can you see yourself raising a family here in America? So, yes, I would like to adopt. I, I, know I was always into having an interest into adopting a child or two. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just find there's just so many children out there who need a yeah. home. And just thinking about that makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> so I think adopting and letting that child know that okay you have been placed in a very difficult situation where you feel like someone didn't want mm-hmm. you but somebody does want you um, so I kind of want to give that to a child or two mm-hmm. you know so yes I do see myself raising a family here in the US um, and also like to travel mm-hmm. My goal is to always travel all over the world, um, see different cultures, kind of learn about it. You know, that's another goal as well. That's awesome. And I think, uh, you know, the child that you're adopt or two will really benefit from that because you sound like you have a really good heart and you want to be of service to society. Some people don't. They want to take from society. They just want to be leeches. And they yeah. can be like, you know, living parasites everywhere they go. They don't care. And I'm like, I just want to take, take, take. And I'm just so grateful for you. Um, so what advice, um, last question, what advice do you give to someone who um, 
you know, just, just need some guidance right now, what advice would you give them? I'm sorry. In terms of guidance. And just everything. How? You know, they just feel stuck. They don't feel like going anywhere. They just, you know, I'd like to end on a positive note. And your story, like I said, is very good. So you sound very resilient. So what advice would you give someone who's just like, yeah, you know what? What should I do now? Where should I go? How should I pursue this life? I'm here. I don't have any goals. I don't have ambition. Life just feels stuck, you know? Yeah, I think. So for that, I would say you need to kind of step back and do some self-reflection, mm-hmm. right? What it is, you need to kind of find your purpose. Like, what are you here for? Because I needed to do that mm-hmm. as well, right? Once you find out what your purpose is, I think that's when you start to come up with a list of goals mm-hmm. tailored to that purpose. And you just have to just tackle it one by Mm -hmm. one you know that's what I did and that's what I would tell someone who is stuck and just don't know where to go yeah you know you need to do some self-reflection um and just see okay who it is you are who it is you want to be in society when people look at you what kind of image you want to give Mm. them you don't project and you just work towards that just keep building that up so that will be the advice that I will give someone. It's really good advice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Welcome. Well, that concludes our, um, our our discussion. I really appreciate you being here. So if anyone wants to keep in touch with you, what would be a good way to do that? Um, I'm always on LinkedIn. My You can find me on LinkedIn. Use my, my full name, S-A-R-A-H-N-E-E. And the last name is Lendor, spelled L-E-N-D as in David, O-R-E. Um, I guess I can give my Gmail email as well. It's my first initial, S-C-R, my last name, L-E-N-D-O-R-E, at gmail.com. That's awesome. And I hope other people reach out to you because you have, being a black scientist, you know, we can dive into that. <laughs> I don't think it's a field <laughs> that too many people are yes. in. Um, so we we can dive into that in and, and another discussion for any young girl yes. or young boy who would like to be a scientist. And just thinking about it, um, there was the guy who, remember that story, the Gorilla Glue Girl? And it was a, a guy, yes. a plastic mm-hmm. surgeon. He specialized in chemistry. And he was mm-hmm. able to create a solution to take that out. And I was just like, you know what? I just, I, he just helped the science community. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. Because yes, it's, it's a necessary thing. People make it seem like science is just for the geeks, you know, but we all need science. So we do. And it's fun. Yes. So. I'm glad you're excited about that. Um, and I hope other people can look into it like clinical scientists or just being a scientist, period. So. Yes, I hope so, too, because we really do need them. Mm -hmm. We need a lot more scientists. That's awesome. Well, Sarani, thank you again for your time. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Yes, I'll have you again to do a follow-up. Like, where is she at now? (laughs) (laughs) A follow-up to this. So thank you again. You're welcome. Maybe we can discuss um, how to become a scientist. You know, I... I, I, I could see other people really interesting and in finding that interesting. So thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. You thank too. You. Thank Bye. you. 
Hey, welcome back. What did I tell you? I mean, to be a young scientist, she's not even 40 years old. Her life story is so amazing. I really hope she takes my advice and and actually writes a book. I think she is just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. So thank you for listening. I look forward to you joining us um, for next week. We are going to continue the conversation and the focus will be immigrant children so the black stories will continue but the focus will be immigrant children and so i'm excited to share the conversation with you come back next week thank you Mm -hmm.